It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Welcome to this look under the hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. As the calendar turns to July, that means we're in the middle of the off-season and preparations are well underway for the 2019-20 season, the sixth season for the Indy Fuel, and the first under the tutelage of head coach Doug Christensen. He is hard at work putting together his first Indy Fuel roster. Over the last few weeks, five players have been signed to ECHL contracts, including one familiar face, a returnee from last year in Sam Tebow, as well as three players who played for Coach Christensen in Manchester a year ago. Lots of things going on as we begin to look ahead. We're just 100 days out from the start of the ECHL season. As far as upcoming events, the Fuel hosting their annual free agent camp August 9th and 10th at the Fuel Tank. If you are interested in trying out, head to IndieFuelHockey.com and there's information for how to do so. And head to free agent camp and potentially earn yourself an invite to the main training camp coming up in September and October. As we mentioned, head coach Doug Christensen has signed five players to ECHL contracts to form the foundation of the first Indy Fuel team he will coach. And for him, familiar faces, three players who are part of the Manchester Monarchs team last year that really had an outstanding season, made it to the second round of the Kelly Cup playoffs before really pushing the eventual champion Newfoundland Growlers in that second round series. One of the big reasons why was goaltender Charles Williams. He is entering his third ECHL season, graduate of Canisius College, and he had an outstanding year for Manchester last year in net. His signing was announced earlier this week. He was 26-14-3 with three shutouts. He was 15th in the ECHL with a 2.71 goals against and 5th in the league with a 9.19 save percentage. A couple of players who were rookies last year and who are familiar faces to Indianapolis hockey fans, Tim Shoup and Joe Sullivan have also signed with the Fuel. Tim, 13 points in the blue line in 43 games for the Monarchs last season. And Sullivan, 6 goals, 16 assists in 58 games, playing really in all roles for Manchester last year. He also had 72 points in four seasons at St. Lawrence University. And so... Those two guys, again, familiar faces. They were roommates with the Indiana Ice and the Clark Cup Championship team in 2013-14. Joe Sullivan ended the sixth longest game in Indianapolis hockey history, game two of the Clark Cup Finals that year with a beautiful wraparound goal, roofing it over Cal Peterson in the second overtime. And, of course, that was a key moment in an eventual championship for the ice in 2014. He also had an assist on the game-tying goal in the third period of the deciding game five of that best-of-five championship series as well. And so he has some fond memories for indie hockey fans. He's returning. He will be our guest later on on the podcast. Also, one familiar face returning to the fuel is Sam Tebow. The defenseman was acquired mid-season from the Atlanta Gladiators and the Toledo Walleye in a three-way trade. Toledo traded him to Atlanta, who immediately traded him to the Fuel, and he really came into his own, especially on the blue line, 
and in his defensive end with the fuel, but also really chipped in with some points late in the area. Two goals and six assists in 25 games. Ended up with two goals and 14 assists in 63 games overall last season. He, too, will be entering his third ECHL season. One rookie has been signed, Brendan Warren, a forward out of the University of Michigan. Third round pick of the Arizona Coyotes in 2015. He had 18 goals and 27 assists in his four seasons with the Michigan Wolverines. The Chicago Blackhawks development camp has been going on this week. Head coach Doug Christensen has been in Chicago keeping an eye on the proceedings. One thing about development camp, even though if you look at the roster, you see a lot of Blackhawks draft picks, a lot of invited players, a few of whom played to Rockford last year, but most of whom are either college players or juniors. This is a time to keep an eye on the future. And it may be the end of the season, a couple of seasons from now, but a lot of players have impressed the coaches from development camp that have been signed to contracts at one of the three levels of the organization and have landed with the fuel. A good example, that's Chase Marchant, a goaltender last season. Very impressive in development camp. The Blackhawks uh, really liked what he had to show them, and he ended up signing a contract with the Fuel at the end of last season and one with the Ice Hogs in the offseason. And you got to think, he may be one of the goaltenders in the mix with uh, the Fuel playing on an American Hockey League contract this season after making his professional debut and getting his first career pro win as well with the Fuel. So development camp, you know, look at the roster on the Blackhawks website. And again, probably won't recognize a lot of names right now, but... Those are guys that uh, head coach Doug Christensen's looking at, and we might see at the end of this season or the end of next season sometime in the future, some of those guys suiting up at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum for the Indy Fuel. A little bit of news in the ECHL. The Brampton Beast have hired Spiros Anastas as their head coach. He had been the head coach of the South Carolina Stingrays. He replaces Colin Chalk, who moved up to the American Hockey League with the Belleville Senators. Same thing happened in Idaho, where Neil Graham moved up to the Texas Stars. So Everett Sheen was promoted from the assistant coaching position to become the head coach in Idaho. And, of course, we've talked about players coming into the fuel. We've also seen a a few players receive qualifying offers, which means the fuel have their ECHL rights for the next calendar year. Three of those seven players who receive qualifying offers finished the season on the fuel roster, Alex Brooks, Woody Hudson, and Eric Shurhammer. The other four were on the fuel roster at some point in the season or had been received in a trade. And while they were not on the active roster at the end of the year, the fuel still maintain their ECHL playing rights. And so if they want to come back to the ECHL, uh, the fuel have the option to uh, sign them and or trade them. It's Jordy Stallard, Braden Hellams, Reggie Trachito. And Louis Belisle and the latter Louis Belisle. He started the year with a fuel, did not appear in a regular season game. He then signed uh, early in the year with the team in France, and he has already signed with them for the next season. So a couple of players have moved on. Josh Shala, Travis Brown, Brett Wilichka have all signed with teams in Europe. And three players that were going to be veterans this year, Olivier LaBelle has signed with the Reading Royals, and both Anthony Collins and Logan Nelson have signed with the Atlanta Gladiators. And again, in the ECHL, once you have played 260 games, you have received veteran status, and each team is allowed to carry four veterans. And so uh, three potential 
veterans have signed elsewhere this week, and Shala, a fourth potential veteran as well, is signed in Europe. So we're seeing some of the veterans move on, which is often the case uh, because they're at such a premium in the ECHL. And we're starting to see the fuel roster coming together, and it's really exciting to do so. And so uh, we send a note of thanks to the players who have performed for us in the past and wish them well and also look forward to the players who are going to be joining us for the upcoming season. One of those is Joe Sullivan. Many of you uh, will remember Joe as a member of the Indiana Ice's 2014 Clark Cup Championship team. He's uh, one of a couple of players from that team that have signed with the Fuel here in the last couple of weeks. And Joe, first of all, welcome back to Indy. And uh, describe uh, your excitement of coming back uh, to Indianapolis and having an opportunity to play in Indy. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for talking to me first off, and uh, yeah, obviously, it's, uh, I have very fond memories of playing Indy, um, so I'm very excited to get back, um, like you said, especially playing with some uh, former teammates from that team also, is uh, it's going to be fun, it's going to be a unique experience running it back in, uh, in Indy. What uh, do you remember uh, just about playing in the city, and uh, what did you enjoy about playing in Indy in your first stint uh, in Indianapolis five years ago? Um, I, I, obviously I'm from Las Vegas, so I'm just, uh, you know, being from a city and, uh, Indianapolis is a, is a cool little city. So it was, um, it was nice being downtown. Obviously we play at Pan Am. Uh, I'm not sure if that's there anymore. Um, and then it's a play concert at, uh, venue now, believe it or not. So it's still there, okay. but the ice has been taken up. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So we played there and then we played at the banker's life a few times. Um, so it's a cool little city down there. Um, you know, we usually, we put, lived out, um, one of the suburbs in Fishers, and now it's beautiful too. So nothing but uh, fond memories of there. You had a chance uh, last year to play for uh, Coach Doug Christensen in Manchester. Describe what it's like uh, playing for him and the style of play that he's going to bring here to the Indy Fuel. Uh, yeah, he likes um, he likes a, a team that's good. Um, you know, he likes a team that works hard. And, you know, he uh, he's a good job of bringing up positive energy and really focuses on you know, each guy being a good teammate and you know, contributing to the team, whether it's on the ice or off the ice. So uh, it's a good culture he brings to uh, to organizations. So I'm excited. What was it? Uh, something about uh, his coaching style that attracted you to Manchester last year, and uh, as well as the fact that you obviously uh, wanted to uh, play for him again this year in Indy, but also uh, that uh, mm-hmm. he obviously uh, made it a priority to sign you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I uh, I signed to Manchester out of college. Um, that was a great organization, and um, so I was able to f- to play there, um, which was a treat. And um, that was Doug's first year there, obviously, and so um, that just kind of happened to be a, a great connection for for me personally. Um, uh, he's just a good good coach, and you know, likes to keep things positive, like I said. And so you know, you can't you can't not want to play for a guy who likes to keep things light and um, you know keep it positive throughout a such a stretch of a season going to describe the year you had in Manchester last year what was that first year of pro hockey like for you um you know it was nice it was, it was different obviously in college um a lot more games you know a lot less time practicing more time playing games like I said um but um it was great is you know it was a transition year so I learned a lot about you know what it takes to play professional hockey and uh, a lot about myself so um you know I'm excited to kind of apply what I learned last year to uh, to a second year What's the biggest difference? And I ask a lot of the uh, first and second year players this, but what's the biggest difference you noticed, not just in the number of games, but also just in the uh, the hockey itself from moving from the college level to the professional game? 
Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's a step up in hockey. Um, so everyone you knows a a little bit stronger, a little bit bigger, a little bit faster. Um, so I mean, that's probably the the number one thing I realized about the game. Um, it's just you know, as you move up a level, just the players become that much better. So. Your uh, years, uh, you played college at St. Lawrence. You're the captain the se- your senior year. Uh, just what was your uh, college experience like? Uh, and describe the way uh, your your college career went. Um, I love St. Lawrence. It was an awesome four years. Um, I was very lucky to get the chance to, to play for such a great organization and uh, you know a couple of great coaches. Um, so I really went to five years that place. Obviously, it didn't go so well <laughs> my last year. Um, but um, I still have had nothing but great, great memories and great feelings for that place. What does it mean to be uh, chosen to be a captain of uh, of any team, but especially your college team? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, one of my goals as a child, you know, growing up, is I think I just want to play Division One hockey and um, you know to get that opportunity, and not only just any D one organization, but such a such a great great franchise or a great like you know history like St. Lawrence. Um, so, you know, to be, be another captain in, in that history and um, be able to represent St. Lawrence University in that manner was, was been one of my wildest dreams. And at St. Lawrence, you played kind of everywhere. You're a power play guy, you're a penalty kill guy, obviously a, a key 200-foot five-on-five guy. How important is that, especially in the ECHL, because it's a three-line league, that you're kind of a Swiss Army knife and can do a little bit of everything? Yeah, I mean, I think that's um, I think that's an asset that's you know it's a, that's a big trade at any level of hockey, um, you know, especially in the, in the East Coast, like you said, with the only the ten four dressing, you kind of got to be able to do everything. Um, but I mean, that's just something I try to take pride in every night. And um, you know, you can't really control the, the bounces and all that, but you can kind of control your effort. And you know, as a two hundred foot player, you can you know kind of as long as you work hard and you know try to stick to the basics and do what you can do, then you know you can't go too wrong all academic player in the ECAC as well. And so uh, describe what uh, you did in the classroom. What did you study and how do you hope to apply that to your uh, life after hockey? Um, I graduated with uh, a combined math and economics degree. Um, initially, I kind of thought I wanted to do, be a broker of some sorts or uh, wealth management, but um, I'm not really thinking about that right now. Kind of just focus on hockey and, you know, trying to advance this career as long as possible and as far as possible and, you know, kind of let the chips fall after that as a man. Describe kind of going back to last year, your team had a lot of success in Manchester, especially as the year went on. I think you had the best record in the league from uh, two th- uh, from January 1st, really from 2019, uh, the calendar turning on. And uh, coach uh, Doug said earlier, Whoever won that playoff series uh, that you played against the Newfoundland Growlers was going to win the Kelly Cup, and obviously that turned out to be true. But can you build off of the success you had as a team last year, even though you're uh, moving to a different city personally, and kind of use that to hit the ground running this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, as you see, we've you know we've signed a few uh, few of the Manchester guys back to Indy. Um, so I think with, you know, a few of us bringing back or coming back and, um, you know, being with Doug, um, I think we'll be able to kind of bring the culture we had um, and the success we had in Manchester to, to Indy and, you know, adding, you know, good players as well. And, and I think is, uh, is a good recipe. You know, Charles Williams had a really good year in goal last year. He also yeah, is uh, joining the fuel. 
when a goaltender is playing as well as he's capable of playing, how much confidence does that give uh, everybody else on the ice? Oh, I mean, it, you can't even describe it. Um, I mean, what Willie did for us last year down the stretch in playoffs, um, you know, it's much more than just the stats and what's on the scoreboard. You know, he lets you – gives you the confidence, like you said, to, you know, make plays and, you know, but also kind of makes you want to work hard because he's in there busting and, um, you know, to get the job done for us night in, night out. So um, I'm really excited to play in front of Willie again. And uh, also describe uh, what it was like to play again with Tim Shoup and uh, what he's going to be bringing to Indy. Yeah, it was uh, it was great to uh, to play with Shoup again. Um, we were actually roommates on uh, when we were on the ice together. Um, so not only to uh, to play them last year, but to be back against teammates and in, in, uh, in Indy is is always special. And you know he's a he's a smart defenseman. You know he uh, brings a lot to the table. He was one of our one of our better D D and important for our uh, success down the road there. And uh, so it's been great for us to have him again. Kind of going back to your uh, time in junior hockey, you spent a couple of years in the North American League and then had your year with the ice. How did playing the longer schedule, uh, playing kind of the 60-game schedule plus the full playoff, how did that help prepare you for pro hockey, even though it would be a few years away, because of the fact that you're playing more games and kind of having that professional environment? Um, I mean, juniors is essentially you know, a test run for uh, for professional. Um, you know, when you go to college, you you have um, the school obligations and, and such. But um, juniors, um, you kind of get used to, you know, time management and kind of figure out your own hobbies and what you're interested in outside of the game. Um, you know, so have had done that before. Um, last year, obviously, juniors is, um, you know, it's just like muscle memory. You know, it's, uh, it, was, it was very comfortable to jump back into. What was so special about that championship team that you played on here and the opportunity to to win a championship is always a great thing in any league. But what was so special about that team? Um, I mean, I think the greatest part about it was uh, we were just a good a good group of guys. Um, we all love going to rank together and, and you know working hard for each other. Um, especially nice, we had a great start. I think we started oh three and one or something like that. Um, you know, and you know, kind of a little turbulence in the first half, but we stuck together and. We played hard, and it was just a bunch of good guys, and you really love winning championships with teams like that. And uh, you had a big hand in that championship, especially against a Waterloo team. It was very good. Uh, uh, overtime winner in Game 2 of the championship series, also had an assist on the game-tying goal in the deciding Game 5. But Number one, how special is it to win a championship, but also to score that walk-off goal in overtime to, uh, to be – a key moment in that title run. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously it's not the NHL, but at the highest level you're playing, um, you know, you kind of always dream of scoring that overtime goal. Um, and that goal is huge, not only for, uh, for our team, but, you know, personally, it kind of got me a lot, probably a lot more attention, um, with colleges. And that's kind of how I started talking to St. Lawrence. Um, but I mean, besides, besides all that, it was just, it's a crazy moment that, you know, my family and I always, always kind of reminisce on, um, you know, just like you said, as a crucial goal and moment in that series. And then you go to St. Lawrence, you play for Greg Carville. He had a lot of success last year at UMass leading them to the national championship game. What was it about his coaching style that has allowed him to have the success he's had? Um, you know, he, I think it's, uh, he likes to base everything on culture. Um, you know, he wants guys coming in, being good teammates and good good guys. Um, he expects you to work hard, 
you know, to pay attention and make sure you're, you're buying into the system and, and the team culture. Um, you know, and, and he was a good recruiter too. He wasn't afraid to um, get his nose dirty with the, the top end schools and, you know, he was able to get the high end players. Um, so I think with the, that culture he built and just recruiting those, those top end guys, he's, he's, you know, builds a good recipe every year. Growing up in Las Vegas, it's a, a city that has had hockey and for many years at the ECHL level before the Golden Knights came in last year, but or a couple of years ago. But uh, what was it like growing up as a hockey player in Las Vegas with a developing hockey culture? Um, you know, it was different. Obviously, it was uh, it was kind of a subculture here. You know, Las Vegas is uh, you know, it's a baseball, golf, you know, football city. Um, there wasn't, you know, many hockey players growing up. So, I mean, it was unique, definitely. And it's interesting to see uh, how far it's come, especially with the Knights, obviously, um, how much the game is changing and how many hockey fans there are around town. Um, you know, so it's really kind of cool to see that evolve from, you know, the infant stages when I was playing hockey to where it is now. So how many rinks did you have in town when you started? And was it largely uh, you playing against local guys at first and did you have the opportunity to kind of branch out and play uh, with and against some different players in the southwest yeah um i think growing up we had two sheets of ice uh one of them was in the casino and then another one uh, luckily it was right around the corner from my house actually um so i think now we're up to five sheets of ice in town um, with the new golden knights uh, training facility which is beautiful um so yeah it's uh and then uh you know growing up um obviously like you said there wasn't many teams uh given the the small number of kids playing so we, we travel a lot to like southern california um arizona and surrounding states kind of in the west coast and we didn't play as many games you know growing up as you know, as many kids on the east coast or uh michigan or minnesota but uh you know, we, we play against each other a lot in town in the summer. We had a good group of guys um, who are relatively the same age. So I think uh, just playing against each other all the time in the summer and then you know, trying some talent outside of the city you know, during the winter and fall was a good recipe for us. Well, you think about hockey in the Southwest, you know, how much of an impact uh, did Wayne Gretzky have playing with the Kings, obviously a number of years ago, but helped develop that culture that eventually uh, produced you and a number of other professional players? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that Gretzky, um, you know, going to the Kings in Southern California is, you know, is probably a large part of where hockey is, where it is today in Vegas. Um, like you said, he kind of, you know, made everyone think and believe that you can have hockey in non-hockey cultures and climates. Um, and so, you know, they're big influence from Southern California, like I said, and there's a lot of kids playing against growing up who are in the NHL, um, out of Southern California, and you kind of see that spread over to like Vegas now, and um, a lot of the other, you know, Western uh, non-traditional hockey markets. So it's kind of cool to see that happen. What has the impact of the Golden Knights uh, been for hockey in Las Vegas? It's it's incredible. Um, like I said, it was kind of a subculture. It was, uh, it was a little strange to play hockey back when I was growing up, a little bit, but um, it's they're everywhere. The city loves them. Uh, city's got a fever for hockey right now, and it's, it's just so cool. And um, you know, really, real strange to see, actually. You know, <laughs> given the the situation and climate that was growing up. What uh, what does your off season look like uh, between now and October when training camp starts? Uh, what is your training, your preparation for the season look like? 
Um, it's just, you know, it's the usual. It's uh, working uh, off ice in the gym, um, you know, doing nothing, necessary things to make sure I'm getting straight, you know, and, and in conditioning shape. And uh, But also it's on the ice. Like I said, we have a uh, – kind of got lucky. We have a stretch of guys relatively the same age who uh, all play high, high-level hockey. So um, we all skate multiple times a week, obviously, and uh, so just kind of stay in shape and try to get stronger and, until we get to train camp and then, uh, you know, seasons from there. So you, do you stay in Las Vegas during the off-season then? Yep, yeah, definitely. So with, uh, I understand your family's from Long Island and grew up Ranger fans. Is that uh, is that really where the bug to play hockey came from? Uh, definitely. Um like I said, we moved to uh, moved to Vegas when I was very young, the youngest of my family. So uh, my older sibling, uh, my older brother was was playing hockey when he was young, and um, my family's a hockey family. You know, we were out in Vegas, but I always come home and they'd have MSG on and watch the Ranger game. And um, you know, it was a little strange to be Ranger fans out in Las Vegas. A lot more, uh, you know, Kings fans, Ducks fans, if anything. But um, it was uh, no, that's definitely where it started from. We're, uh, we're a New York hockey family for sure. Who was your favorite player growing up? Uh, I I was a huge Ryan Callahan fan. Um, just two hundred foot player, gave it his all every night, blocked shots and scored goals. Like you know, best blue shirt. What is the is that the type of player you try to model your game after? Or what type of player or any players in the NHL that you grew up watching that you do try to model your game after? Uh, I mean, I think Ryan Kelly is a perfect example of what I, I, I try to be. You know, like I said, he uh, he gives his heart every night, he gives it all, gives his body on the line, and uh, you know, plays defense first. And is a good teammate that way and good leader in that sense. But you know, he he scored a lot, contributed. Um, you know, on the offensive end and, um, you know, I just, you know, you love, you love playing with guys like that. And so that's something that I try to, uh, try to emulate outside of hockey. What do you enjoy doing? What are some of your hobbies? Uh, I like playing basketball, big basketball, um, long boring. Cause it's obviously beautiful while I'm home. Um, gotta be careful during the day cause it might be a little too hot, but, um, once it drops a little bit, it's nice to be outside playing sports, obviously. Typical hockey player, I like to play a little golf from here from time to time. But, uh, yeah, mostly basketball at this point. What are you looking forward to this season? Uh, what is uh, kind of your game that you're going to show uh, you the fans in Indy? Uh, I mean, it's kind of the game I just uh, kind of described. I want to, you know, want to make sure I'm giving my, giving my best effort every night, um, you know, representing – not only myself and my teammates, but, you know, the city and the fans who come and support us every night. Um, you know, so I'm just going to give my effort every night and try to chip in um, offensively and, you know, be a reliable defensive player and, um, you know, try to help the team win every night. Well, thanks a lot, Joe, for uh, chatting with us, and good luck this season. Enjoy the rest of your off season. Yeah, appreciate you having me. All right, take care. It's Indy Fuel forward Joe Sullivan here on the Under the Hood podcast. Of course, you can get your tickets for the upcoming Indy Fuel season. Visit IndyFuelHockey.com or call 317-925-FUEL to reserve your seats for all 36 home games for the 2019-20 season. You don't want to miss a single moment of what should be a great year of hockey. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. We'll see you at the rink. Thanks for going under the hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, 
keep visiting IndieFuelHockey.com.